0: welcome to the generous business owner podcast where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy not just leave one and now your hosts jeff thomas alan Barnhart, and jeff rutt welcome everybody to the generous business owner podcast my name is jeff thomas and i've got one of our co-hosts with us today jeff rutt say hello jeff Hey, guys, how's it going? And we have a very special treat for you today. We got Todd Harper, one of the founders of Generous Giving. We were just talking before we got started that this podcast probably wouldn't exist. Jeff Rudd, Allen, Barnhart, and I probably wouldn't uh, know each other if it wasn't for Generous Giving telling Alan's story. And so, Todd Harper, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here with you guys. Excited. Yeah. This is going to be fun. So, Jeff, I'll let you kick off the questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Todd, thank you so much for being here. Just tell us a little bit about your your younger years. Tell us about the, what was it like? Where'd you grow up? What was that like?
2: Yeah, I grew up in the western suburbs of Chicago, a place called Naperville in a family of five kids. I was the middle of five and great family. And my early years, interestingly, were really focused on becoming wealthy. Like from the earliest age, hmm. we, we often ask a question at Generous Giving for people, ask people to share a memory from before the age of 12 that influenced their view of money or giving. And what I normally share is that I spent Christmas, every Christmas with my grandmother and aunt, and they would give each of my siblings, they'd give us a Christmas present each year, which was money. They would give each of my siblings $50 bills. They would give me 51s because I like to count money. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's (laughs) fantastic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like seven, eight years old, right? I mean, I... I mean, I don't remember, of course, saying, hey, could I get this in ones? (laughs) (laughs) But later, when I was 13, I remember my aunt, that same aunt giving me, I loved motorcycles. I had, you know, gone to work to, I mean, I was into money because of what money could buy. Right. right? And I really wanted a motorcycle and that the situation in my family was, you know, those kinds of things were on you, right? My parents weren't going to buy me a motorcycle, so I had worked long and hard and bought a used motorcycle. And I, my aunt gave me a sweatshirt when I turned thirteen that had a motorcycle on the front and on the back it said Mister Money T H. Wow! And I never, I never wore it because I didn't. Want to be associated hmm. that way, right. but the adults in my life, you know saw that and really celebrated it, and there were some things to celebrate because I was a hard worker and responsible, but I also was a young materialist, and hmm. my goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was thirty. The year before I went to college, the summer before I went to college, I got my series seven securities license. Wow! Uh, in, in high school, I, was, I had a lawn business where I was mowing 80 lawns a week. I made $1,000 a week in high school Wow! Um, in the summers, and then I had a snow plowing business in the winter. I went to college, the college I chose. I felt like God wanted me to go to Baylor University, but one of the reasons I was attracted to it was it was one of three schools at the time. That offered a degree in entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and I thought that was probably the quickest way to my goal of being a millionaire was to own my own business,
1: and mm.
2: so I'll go get trained in how to how to own my own business. Yeah, and so that really shaped my early life in a way that has you know, played out in a much different way than I would have anticipated.
1: (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your faith journey during those years. Yeah. uh, As you were growing up. So,
2: yeah, Christian family, met the Lord, I remember vividly, one Sunday afternoon after church, I was seven years old, and I had, you know, probably prayed the sinner's prayer, asked God to come into my life, Jesus to come into my life, multiple times but I wasn't sure I had done it right. And I remember verbalizing that with my mom and she said, "Well, you know, you can know once and for all. Let's let's just pray this prayer together." And I did that and really my faith journey was important to me all through high school. So it really was it was kind of a god and money thing for me like I was you know, leading people to Christ in high school. Jeff, one of our, you know, mutual friends, Tim Mons was one of my high school friends who came to know the Lord through, you know, kind of outreach efforts of me and my church. And so I had a heart for the Lord and for, for serving the Lord. And I wanted to be rich. So it was a both and very much. And it yeah. was it was in college that the Lord really intersected that or confronted that issue in my life, I guess mm-hmm. it, I would say. Just a couple weeks into my freshman year of college, I was on a retreat sponsored by Campus Crusade for Christ. And they gave us some time to have a quiet time on a Saturday morning. And I vividly remember the Lord effectively having a conversation with me it wasn't audible but effectively he said do you believe i'm who i say i am Mm -hmm. the creator of the world and therefore the creator of you and if that's true if you believe that then who do you think knows what's better for your future you or me and it was it was literally that day that I told the Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And it was a, it was a money. It was a Lordship thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to pursue you no matter what, or am I going to pursue a path that I think would lead to this goal of being a millionaire by the time I was 30? Mm -hmm. And I told the Lord, I want what you want for my life, whatever that means. And That was the beginning of this journey of, you know, kind of God directing my life in a way that I never, in a million years, could have anticipated or scripted. But it's been an absolute adventure to follow His plan and will
1: rather than my. Wow, what a what a an exciting start and a important crossroads there. So out of college. Walk us through the, the next season of your journey.
2: Yeah, so I, that was my freshman year. I ended up still getting an entrepreneurship and economics degree, but was very involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. Met my soon-to-be bride in college. We married in school. A, two weeks after we got married, we were on a planning retreat for Campus Crusade for that coming school year. And the couple that was discipling us took us aside and asked us if we would be willing to, in the following year, move to Romania, which was at the time behind the Iron Curtain, Yeah. and work with university students for a year. Yeah. And my wife, who had been to the East Block several times, started doing cartwheels. Because she was that was her dream. That was her favorite country in the world. And which was part of the reason they asked us because they knew that about her. And I had no such passion for that part of the world. But I was like, hey, I'm an adventure, adventurer and thrill seeker, and there'll never be an easier time to do this. So I'm up for it if God kind of confirms that. So anyway. That led to a decade of serving with Campus Crusade for Christ. We were, in, we were in Romania. We were in Yugoslavia. We came back to the States. We're at Texas A&M University and then moved to Russia and served in St. Petersburg, Russia for four years, and then moved back to the States to headquarters, to Orlando, which is where we live now, and I started raising money for Campus Crusade, which is which was how I ended up at Generous Giving. I mean, that was kind of the there's a story there, of course, but that that was the 10 years with Campus Crusade. I took a year after that to go into the hedge fund business. So I transitioned from ministry into business. I always wondered If God was calling me to business, I loved business, still do. You know that's part of what I love about my job is I get to meet all kinds of interesting and successful Mm -hmm. business people. Mm -hmm. But in that year, almost a year of working in the financial services industry, I realized that I, my calling was to help people lay up treasure in heaven, not invest it well on earth. Not that that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. at all. But for me, I felt God confirmed in that season that he really wanted me in a different part of his kingdom. And that's when I went
0: to work with Generous Giving, which is now a little over 22 years ago. That's crazy. You guys have a lot in common with, I mean, before we started recording, we started, uh, everybody go back and listen to one of the first three episodes we did where we interviewed Jeff Rutt. And you've got this, you know, dairy farmer turned home builder who ends up in the Ukraine. Okay, so we got a kid from uh, the west side of Chicago by way of Waco that ends up in Romania and Russia. (laughs) And we got a dairy farmer kid from PA that ends up in the Ukraine. I barely made it out of St. Louis. Okay, so I think maybe I. I think I've been to Paris, Texas. I think so. I think I, I drove through there. You guys' lives are a lot more interesting than mine, but so this is fascinating. This is so fun because we've known each other for a long time, but I never really got to hear the whole story of how all that went down. And uh, as I was kind of reading through your bio too, I was looking at the entrepreneurship and business side. and so you know, I, I was thinking we should have you on just because I know generous giving is a big. Inspiration to a lot of business people. So, but now it's starting to kind of come together in my brain why you've been such a benefit to this organization. You know, it's almost all business people that I go to those things with. Was that was that part of the idea originally, or did that just sort of form? Or were those your friends? Like, tell us more about how why is it so business centric there?
2: Well, I think you know our mission is to spread the message of biblical generosity in order to grow generous givers especially among those entrusted with much. Okay. So part of the uniqueness of generous giving is our ability and approach to challenge people to be radically generous to God's kingdom without asking them for money. And that unique approach is probably most valuable with those who have more money. Because their life experience is often dictated by being asked all the time. And there's nothing wrong with asking for money, but it does change the dynamic. And so, from the very beginning, Generous Giving was founded by and funded by a wealthy family that had a heart to reach their peer group. In our country, most of the wealth that is created or held by various families was created by wealth creators in business. So kind of our strategy and our mission around who would most benefit from this kind of a safe conversation dictated that the majority of those people were likely to be wealth creators, i.e. business people.
0: Well, as I mentioned at the top, of this podcast you know we, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation jeff rutt and i may 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 never have met who knows maybe maybe god would have had it happen a different way but we both saw the story of alan barnhart that was produced by generous giving at different times jeff when did you see that video
1: probably the first time i'm going to guess 2015 2016. Yeah. Something like that. And yeah, it had a, yeah, at the time I thought that was a little crazy, but three years later and God was doing some really interesting things in our family's life. And it was just, it was the perfect, Alan's been a great mentor of mine over the past couple, three years. And uh, that video that Jenner's giving put together and, you know, that journey that he was on literally had a huge impact on on our not just my life, but our whole family's life.
2: Which version of the story did you see first, Jeff? Do you remember? Was he wearing a blue shirt or uh, was he at the
0: Shepherd podium by shirt? himself or was he with his wife? Yeah, that's the yeah. it was
1: it was he was there by himself. Uh, but I watched I, I went on to watch several different videos. I saw Nathan. I heard Nathan tell the story about the, the Hummers. The Hummers. And, you know, it was it was just good stuff. I could relate to it so well. I mean, of course, with our kids growing up, you know, with it, starting an organization that does Christ Center microfinance, anytime they wanted anything, it was always a calibration of how many loans that would keep from going to the third world if we bought that thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so so hearing Alan say to Nathan, Oh, absolutely. We can do we can do a Hummer. Matter of fact, let's just get a whole bunch of Hummers. Let's just line them up all the way out the driveway to the road. Nathan was like, this is not good. I don't like the direction this is going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then we couldn't help all those people that we just went to see all over. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he knew it was headed towards, yeah, we can go we can buy as many Hummers as you want. But, you know, those families we just met. On our trip we won't be able to help them but it's okay if you want the hummers we're, we're right there we got them what what direction would you like to go you
0: know <laughs> so uh, so i know this has taken uh, many forms now todd in, in the way generous giving gets this message out but i'm sure probably the majority of people listening to us have never been to a journey of generosity or a weekend event or uh, whatever forms it now takes so maybe for the benefit of those folks you could just just explain what a typical maybe jog looks like a gen- journey of generosity or the format historically and kind of you know what what does that look like?
2: Yeah, a journey of generosity is an overnight retreat generally overnight. sometimes people do it in one day, sometimes they do it online, but kind of the ideal expression is an overnight a way where you get to talk with your peers about biblical generosity and it, it's largely driven by stories. So we're referring to Alan and Katherine Barnhart's story, but we have produced dozens of, of compelling stories. And we have we have a safe environment where we're watching stories and dialoguing about them. Uh, and we've we've just we did three hundred and thirty five of those last year in in twenty twenty one they're they're always facilitated often by a volunteer who's been trained by generous giving and it's it's a safe place to kind of explore this idea of generosity. I think the thing that is most encouraging to me is that people never have a sense of guilt and shame around their generosity or giving in these experiences. I think they have uh, they're invited into a different way of thinking that is attractive and inspirational and it's like man i didn't know people i didn't know people live this way and the reality is the people who come to generous giving events are already generous mm-hmm. right they're already on that journey i i really have no expertise in how to turn a non-giver into a giver but we've seen a lot of generously oriented people become exponentially more generous. Mm-hmm. It's like an affirmation of the way they're living and an inspiration to, you know, just like we just were talking about Jeff seeing Alan. It's like, oh, I mean, I, obviously, Jeff was already generous. And then he kind of saw Alan a little bit further down the road, or maybe a lot further and some of the decisions they'd made around their business. And it was like, Oh, maybe we could do that. That's really what we do at generous giving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like throwing gas on a small flame, maybe right. An accelerant. Yeah. Yes. You know. mm-hmm.
2: yeah and this, and it's a very spiritual, what's God leading you to do. There's no sense of prescription or everybody should do what Jeff or Alan has done. What's God telling you to do? And we're trying to create that kind of a sacred space, really, where yeah. God can speak into people's journeys. Yeah. Because that's there's no better life than the life that God's inviting us to.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I would just encourage if uh, our listeners, if you're Walking the dog, running on the treadmill, or whatever you're doing right now—if wherever God has you on that journey—it's not about like how far down the road you are. It's meeting God where you are on that journey, and like Jeff said, having some gas thrown on that fire and just leaning in to leaning into Jesus, leaning into what He has uh, next for us, and one step at a time.
0: Well said. I mean, I think it's so unique, right? God's so creative with these things. And I mean, Todd, not only just the videos you guys have shot, and I know, you know, just to put a plug in, I mean, I've been to many jogs. It was amazing. I've been to the big annual deals. I've seen live sort of testimonies. And, but, but in those jogs, you know, you also have the Bible verses and then ask people to kind of, you know, what are they hearing? Right. And you're not to really preach to anybody, but just to kind of make I statements. So those little things actually matter to create that safe space. I think it's really well done. And, but I'm just curious, uh, what are, uh, one or two stories, uh, that you just love, or maybe that come to mind. I know literally you have a hundred of them that you could recite, but if you told a couple, just a couple of two or three minutes stories, what are, what are a couple of vignettes that, that come to mind?
2: Yeah, one story that happened during COVID was a, a woman who had grown up in an ultra high net worth family. And she had kind of reluctantly came to, to a jog. At the end, she was, she was relaying her experience to one of my friends. And she said, I have always hated our money because I saw what it did to my family. to was a second-generation, wealthy, you know, person. And she said for the first, and this woman was in her 60s. Wow. She said, for the first time in my life, I have a vision for how God can use this money for good.
1: That's crazy. I mean, what
2: what a flip of the script, right? and i just i love getting to invite people now that that's kind of a negative story that flipped into a positive story i was i just heard this story 2 weeks ago and often you know we don't know exactly what happens because people people aren't giving through us right there's no kind of right. transactional back end we're really just inspiration
0: people. and let it happen yeah
2: that's right but we had a couple that came to a jog and none of us knew them but they we we kind of heard their story through them speaking at a fundraising event for a ministry that they were really involved in and they were describing their experience at a journey of generosity oh wow and how it reframed their their thinking and their practice and um I mean it was just I got to get on the phone with them I I you know they were in our system because they had been to a jog and I reached out to them with an email and said hey I'd love to visit with you and hear your story and as they articulated their shifting vision from their desire to acquire an airplane to funding health clinics in Africa and kind of that shift and the joy that they were experiencing together and the alignment in their marriage, where it had been, you know, she was kind of the giver and he was the wealth creator, and he had all kinds of ideas about what to do with that wealth that weren't around generosity. Though he affirmed his wife's heart for generosity, they weren't together in it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I mean, and I said, well, hey, you know, kind of how differently are you living now in terms of your giving without being specific about the numbers their giving increased 30 fold? Yeah. I mean, it was just a total reframe of, yeah. oh, that's why you've given me these gifts and these opportunities to create wealth. It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do through us in building his kingdom. And I mean, you know, they were, it was like they were jumping through the phone lines. guess there aren't phone lines anymore, but you know what I mean? Yep. So that just never gets old for me.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought of, it's interesting that the stories you think of are kind of the maybe a little bit of the feedback loop stories they're not even maybe the original content that's that's really an interesting perspective of you know you're you've heard so many of the stories that are produced but you do have a unique perspective as uh, the person helping run the ministry to think about the impact And I'm more of a, and I, and I think even our audience is more of a customer, a consumer of the, of the original content. And so like as consumers, Jeff Rutt and I, you know, saw Alan Barnard stuff because you guys produced it. And I was just trying to work myself up to a tickled tither. And, and this guy's given like 99.9% of his stuff away. And it blew my mind in like 2007 or whenever. And, uh, and I, and it just, but it it did the, it had the exact intended effect. I was like, wait a minute, maybe like, I didn't even know anybody was like that. It just put a whole new possibility in the realm to even consider. And I was probably too scared to pray about it, frankly, that that he might, and now we're doing the same thing, but I don't think it would have happened. I I don't think it would have happened. Had I not seen a model. That, yeah. that was like that, you know? And, well, uh, and
2: I, I think there are millions more of you, Jeff, who are followers of Jesus, who just need an alternative imagination.
0: Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that really compelled me, honestly, about all those stories, but like Alan's specifically, just because we, we've gotten to know him so well, is how much joy he had like the guy pays himself nothing, gives away the whole company. There's never gonna be a giant liquidity event. If it is, it goes into the foundation. He's not gonna personally, financially benefit from the capital creation that he's had a hand in, uh, that God's helped happen. And I thought, well, wait, isn't that, well, everybody wants that, right? And that to see a guy who's happier than most people that I see go through that liquidity event and, and have those things, it just completely turns things on its head. And so I know that now you've had 22 years of watching this happen. And I know you've kind of pulled together some observations. Can you share some of those other key observations like we're talking about?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I think the the unique thing about my seat on the bus is that I spend my, you know, 365 days a year, interacting with families like Alan and Catherine, and it's a unique privilege. So these are just my observations of families like the Barnharts and the Thomases and the Ruts, and I've got 10 of them, so I'll I'll run through them quickly. One, they believe ultimate authority in their life is God's word, and they make decisions based upon it. And I've got a scripture for each one of these observations. Psalm 45 says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought his precepts. And I think that's a very powerful observation of people aligning their lives with God's word, is the freedom that enures to the person applying the scriptures to their lives. The second is that they have a stewardship mentality rather than an ownership mentality. It has been my observation that this is easier to say than to actually live this way, right? But in other words, God owns it all. And they really live like that. Obviously, Alan and Catherine are a wonderful illustration of that, that principle. Scripture, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. The next is that they approach giving as a get-to rather than an ought-to. And I would say that delight is far more powerful than duty. I think there's a lot of people that give out of a sense of duty, but generous givers have flipped that script from ought-to to to get-to. Acts twenty thirty five. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive.
0: Well, and they've done these studies of the dopamine that it, I don't know, maybe that's even the wrong chemical in the body, but it is clearly physically and emotionally good for us, even if you're not a believer, right? They have those, it, like God made us that way, actually, that it reinforces yes. it. And to me, it's also like going back to stewardship, it's actually freeing. You know, like, it's not all your responsibility. Before I thought that way, I always thought, man, it's all on me. That was a lot of pressure. I actually feel a lot less pressure, and it yeah. goes better. Keep going.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's this is such an example of all truth is God's truth. Right. Because right? whether you're a believer or not, giving brings joy. Exactly. I mean, that, there's all kinds of sociological and psychological studies about that, which is quite affirming to me of how true God's word is. Right Back. Number four, they have one or more people with whom they share transparently their financial dealings mm. and receive encouragement to continue to live as stewards. so some people use the word accountability in this you know way that's kind of the way Alan frames it. Mm-hmm. My observation is to live this way for most people, they need someone who can give them candid feedback and frankly, encouragement because it's not affirmed in our culture, right? Living this way is countercultural. And so I think you can start to think, am I crazy? And having some people who are, you know, know the reality of my world and are encouraging me to continue to live in a way that honors God with my resources. That's just been a gift. And, you know, those that I see consistently living this way, that, again, all the, all 10 of these, I'm not saying everybody needs to have every, each one of them, but these are kind of best practices, if you will. verse on that one, James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Love it. Number five, they've answered the question, how much is enough for personal consumption? This is interesting. With the understanding that stuff has mass, which creates gravity and demands attention. The more stuff,
0: the more attention. In
2: other words, be careful what you own because
0: it can own you. Oh, my gosh. We might have to do a whole nother podcast just on these. All right. With, give me the verse. We're going to have to keep rolling.
2: Mark 4, 19. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. It's,
0: it's, it's hard for me it to it hold unfruitful. back. All right. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> Six. They've learned how to engage
2: their spouse in meaningful yeah. if they're married, leading each other without leaving the other behind. And the scripture is Genesis, Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him.
0: Again, easier said than done, I would argue. That takes real effort, at least Absolutely. in my experience. Absolutely. Intentionality.
2: Um, all of these do, they right? do. None of these are, but like everything in life, anything that's valuable takes effort. Takes work. Number seven, they realized that earthly success, this is a direct quote of Alan, they realized that earthly success could equal spiritual failure and have built guardrails to protect themselves. First Timothy 6, 9, and 10, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I heard Alan say that, read that and say, who wants that? Who wants to pierce themselves with many griefs?
0: But we- that is his core word. Actually, when yeah. people ask me a lot of times about summarize Alan's thing. I always say he believes he's being protected protection. You, you use that word in there and that's right on the money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Number eight, they think generationally. Mm. And invest time, talent, and treasure in cultivating stewardship in the next generation.
0: What's us first? 2
2: Timothy 2.2. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Number nine. We're getting close. They recognize that stewardship involves their whole life. Mm. Labor, influence, finances, and expertise. First Timothy six, eighteen, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And number 10, they live with eternity in view. Live for the dot for the line,
0: not the dot. Okay, Francis Chan, you have to explain that (laughs) to us.
2: A timeline. If our lives are on a timeline, eternity is a line that goes on forever, right? How does my You know, 70, 80, however many year life, how long does that show up on an eternal timeline? Timeline, it's a dot, right? It's a blip. We're a vapor, the scriptures say. And Philippians 3, 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: I love it. That is, I know you knew that reference, not everybody is going to get my inside reference, but you know, Francis Chan has a great video that people can Google it, or maybe we can put it in the show notes of that string, that big, long that rope. white rope and the little white, you know, the white rope and the little red dot on it and yeah. focus on eternity, not this little moment in, of our earthly life. And, uh, well, man, that's just a great way to wrap it up. I think, you know, the, the, the goal that we have on this podcast is literally, Number Four of the encouragement for the journey, that's exactly what we've talked about is we know this is countercultural. you know, everybody we know that's on that journey to try in their own unique way to live out the generous life that that i mean i even I don't like to say it about myself but about other people, like whatever their journey is that they're living out, it can be a lonely road, and it is definitely countercultural, so that is really literally the goal that we're doing, and you've really been a huge encourager today on doing that and and i'm going to pop this on you todd i don't know if you knew this was coming or not but we always at the end just ask for a practical tip you know this is for this is for business owners primarily who are you know there are different places in this journey some are super mature long you know maybe getting toward the end or wanting to sell the company or something but some of them might just be starting the company and what do i do when I'm small? Do you have just one little practical tip, something that just pops into your mind? It could be one of these things, but or, you know, I don't want to lead the witness here, but what's a practical tip that somebody could yeah, apply tomorrow?
2: I would just say, take 10 minutes and go to the Generous Giving website and watch a story. Type in Pete Oaks, O-C-H-S, in our stories page. Everything's free. There's all kinds of compelling stories. I presume you your audience has seen the Barnhart story. If they haven't, they should watch that on our website. But I would commend you to, you know, kind of see some examples and see how God might be inspiring you to live more open-handedly with the businesses
0: that you steward. Well, That's awesome suggestion, and I'll since you didn't do it, I'll do it. I'll plug the jogs. If you if anybody invites you to one, say yes. I'll 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 leave it at that. And uh, if you've never heard of where one is or want to find one, how would somebody go about finding one? You think
2: they can go to our website. There are you can search jogs events on our homepage, and you can. It's very easy to participate in one. Virtually, Okay. But if you're interested, you know, if somebody wants to figure out how to get in a job, you can email me directly, Todd at GenerousGiving.org.
0: Well, with that, Todd, thanks so much uh, for joining us today on the Generous Business Owner Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. All right. And thanks to Jeff Rupp, my co-host, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rupp. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.